right. So hello and welcome to the Wild Orgasmic Wisdom podcast, where we explore all the infinite web of consciousness underlying all dimensions through a wide variety of subjects. I'm your host and quantum priestess, Kimberly Baudet, coming to you from a center of a universe. And I'm so pleased to introduce to you our guest today. So she is a prolific tarot reader, she's a writer, an intuitive, and she's the owner of Everyday Magic, which is an intentional lifestyle store in downtown Durham, North Carolina. She's also the author of the wildly successful and relevant book on tarot, What the Fuck is Tarot and How Do I Do It? She's also the creator of the soon-to-be-released tarot deck, Way Home Tarot. So I'm so honored to introduce you to Bakara Wintner. Bakara, welcome to the show. Thank you, my love. That was quite an introduction. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you totally merit every word. Feeling like that bitch already. <laughs> <laughs> so I know Bakara as the owner, boss, witch, and powerhouse creatrix of Everyday Magic in Durham, North Carolina. And I have to say it was such a blessing to the city of Durham when Everyday Magic opened its doors and um, just wanted to ask you how how the store is moving, if anything's changed recently, or yeah, what's the status? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Durham was a blessing for Everyday Magic. It was a dream that I had to open a space like this, and I never would have been able to do it in uh, New York, where I was living before. Uh, so yeah, both the city and the community um, that surrounds Everyday Magic has been just such a blessing. Recently, we moved, we switched locations. So we were originally um, on a first floor, kind of like more traditional retail shop space. And we were there for almost three years. And then just, I just realized it's been less than a month that we moved, but it feels like it has been 17 million months since we moved. But earlier, like less than a month ago, we switched locations just to one street over a second floor kind of like studio space. And that was wild, but I feel like we're settled now and it's nice. Awesome. Beautiful. Congratulations. Thank you. I can't wait for you to see it. Yeah, me too. So for our listeners who would like to get to know you a little bit better, what can you share about your own unique transmission in the world or what you came here to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Wow, I love that question. So the the beginning of my life, I was born into a lot of uh, struggle and chaos. And I do believe that we kind of choose before we incarnate, like what kind of lifetime we have, you know, this time around. And I think that it's, you know, there's a lot of character and a lot of story and a lot of experience and wisdom that I've gotten from my past and like how difficult it's been. But I think that my work now and like my unique transmission at this moment is um, learning to put down heaviness, even in moments where it feels like relevant or familiar and um, trying for something, trying for something better for yourself, like giving yourself the life you want, like undo it, you know, like answering for your karma and that life cycle. And then, but once it's broken, like having the freedom to make a different choice. Yeah. Beautiful. That's a really powerful lesson and gift to be able to share with others. Yeah. I mean, I could also say like, I'm a tarot reader and stuff, but you did that already. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and I would really love to get a, a reading from you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about your past and how it was challenging. Um, I've listened to some other interviews with you and you talked about past struggles with substance abuse and how you mm-hmm. overcame that. Can you describe the ways in which your internal narrative now currently has shifted from where you were in the past, like the types of things that you would tell yourself then versus now? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely changed. I mean, I guess like the most consistent change is it's become increasingly less brutal, like to myself, like over time, like even at, like in moments when I was healing and moments where I was fucking up, like it, what was pretty, it was a pretty like consistent level of brutality, like no matter what was happening. And I think that the kind of further I go along, um, the way that I parent myself and the way that I police myself and the way that I speak to myself and motivate myself has changed a little bit. Like, and we're so, it's such um, commonly used rhetoric. So like, you know, don't, you wouldn't treat someone else that way. So don't treat yourself that way. Or like, you know, like you're a good friend to others, but you can't be a friend to yourself. And that didn't make sense to me um, up until I really started paying attention to the way that uh, my internal monologue works. So I mean, there's been, I've been in a lot of like extreme situations over the, over the course of my life. But I, I would say that probably the biggest shift has been an internal one. Awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. It's something to celebrate. Fucking hell yeah. It's like very baby (laughs) stuff. Like, yeah, the, the slow moving away from brutality to something softer. Yeah. Yeah. Relentless commitment to something different. It is. It must. Yeah. It must be relentless. Incredible. Yeah. Can you talk about your experience and perception of what society refers to as mental illness? Uh, Yeah. I mean, so part of my past and family history and all of that is uh, mental illness on both sides. So my, of all of all shapes and sizes. So my mom was a um, addict from the time she was pretty young and she ended up, you know, she suffered with depression her whole life and her death was by suicide. I had a cousin whose death was by suicide also. She was like 13. So like same issues with like depression and everything. Um, my dad probably has like a whole slew of like undiagnosed like issues. My brother is like somewhere between uh, bipolar and schizoaffective. So it's just, it pretty much like touches, you can look everywhere in my family and see depression and see addiction. And um, so I used to spend a lot of time like really convincing myself that I was nothing like my family. But like the truth is like, even if you make all of the different choices, like, they're still made of the stuff that made you. So um, I think seeing so much of my family go through it has really outlined like the absolutely pathetic like infrastructure that we have for dealing with people with, uh, with mental health issues, the limited language and even more limited understanding. So it was always told to me, it's like, if you're, if you are going through like mental illness, it's like, that's not like, don't tell people, like, don't tell anyone that because no one really has like the infrastructure to do anything about it. And even now, as I was like reading about it, cause I went through, um, 
spell of depression this winter. And I was reading about like, you know, what is depression and where does it come from? And, you know, like, why do people have it? And it's like one fourth of the population has it at least like the people that admitted to having it. It's like a quarter of the world. And like, it's just made me kind of, I don't want to kind of step away from it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to like overly claim it, but I don't want to step away from it because I'm scared. Like I'm trying to stay like close enough to this energy to try to get some information as to like what it actually is versus like medicating it or which is it, which is to say like, I've also been on medication at times for it and it's been life-saving, but my, I guess my intention now with mental illness is to understand it through like the context of my own perspective um, in an attempt to help take down some of the stigma around it. Cause the truth is like, I mean, I would, I would venture to guess that it is like somewhere close to a hundred percent of people that have suffered with this at some point. And there's a lot of people just suffering in silence right now. And like Jodorowsky says an art that doesn't heal is not an art. And so I'm always kind of thinking of ways like with tarot and with um, esotericism and magic of like, how is this real life applicable? How is this real life helpful? Like, and I think, I don't know, there's a lot, there's like a, there's a lot of budding theories that I have on it, I guess, but nothing, nothing develops enough to speak intelligently about, but something I've been thinking about a lot. Sure, sure. We might have more from you at some point in the future on this subject. And um, yeah, I um, I couldn't help but notice when you were talking about your family and also thinking about Jodorowsky because he talks a lot about psychogenealogy and how your family members are kind of all playing these roles in your psyche. Um, yeah. And wow. yeah, it's, it's uh, I do think that a lot of healers like you and like us, um, it's a really fine line to walk, to be close, to have an experience with mental illness and to get close enough to it, to understand it deeply, but not to be destroyed by it. Um, yes. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a line that I've crossed like many times and like the relationship between madness and spirituality. There's a, so one of the decks that I'm working on, the postcards from the liminal space, there's a card in there that's like, it's a sign like with two arrows and two directions and one is spirit and one is split. And it's just like outlining the difference between, you know, hearing, hearing a voice and it being channeling and hearing a voice and it being like, oh, you're, you know, suffering from mental illness. And like, where does the where is the line there? Because cells need to divide in order to grow, but like within reason. And I think that, yeah, any person like who's pushing the boundaries of creativity or their own like expansiveness, like you're gonna, you're gonna bump up against madness. And I think that there's a, it feels like such a big, scary, like, you know, thing to approach because like all of a sudden, like, you go from kind of having this like expansive spiritual experience to like, can I trust anything that just happened to me? And that's, um, yeah, I think that there does, there needs to be more conversation on how to ride that line because people who are prone to um, like this type of like channeling and spirituality, like that's also a form of dissociation. It's a form of like being able to leave your body and like being able to come back down is uh, equally important, but not something that we talk as much about. Definitely, definitely. 
very, very grounding is so important. And so, uh, well, I guess it's more and more becoming more and more uh, part of the conversation, which is good. Yes. I mean, the word grounding is being introduced and like now we're still <laughs> figuring out what it means. <laughs> I was curious about your experience with the first time that you came into contact with the tarot deck, because I was listening to you talk about that experience, how you just had this almost immediate sense of familiarity with the deck. And yeah. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to whether that felt like something from your genetic lineage or like a past life, or if you think of it in a completely different way than that. Yeah. Um, I mean, getting my tarot deck was like a deeper invitation into my purpose, like in this world. Like it was like the key that has unlocked like a thousand doors since. And I think about like, there's all of these lives that are available to us, like based on every choice that we make. Like, and I think about like these different kind of levels of experience that I could have had. Like, I think if I was born in Chicago and like, I think if I had never left Chicago, like, and went somewhere else for school, like I would have had like one kind of life there. Like, or if I had went to school and just stayed in the publishing industry, which I was doing before this, like it would have been this whole, you know, lovely, fabulous life also. But like the tarot invited me into a different, like, it wasn't like I was just going to get a tarot deck and things were going to be the same. Like the tarot deck was an invitation into like, and I had done it before I had left like a dimension before and like made a different choice and like found myself in a different life. And this was definitely like, it just felt like one of those moments when I was first gifted my tarot deck. I'm like, this is going to fuck you all the way up. Like this is going to, this is going to take you somewhere else. Like, cause when I, when I saw them, it was such a, there's not many moments in your life where you like remember like meeting someone or something for the first time. But like even seeing that deck, it was like one of the moments where it's like in a movie, like time slowed down and like glitter was like, you know, glowing around it. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, and it's like, you know, it was a completely mundane moment in some ways that it was like, it was so magically charged in my, in my mind that like, even though I didn't really know what tarot was at that time, like I just knew it was important because like the universe and stars aligned to like give me that deck. And it felt very clear in that moment. It feels so crazy. It is tough to say. <laughs> But I remember this, I remember this feeling. I remember being like five years old and playing in my playground in Chicago. And I was like, there were like these tubes and I was crawling through one side of the tube and my crush at the time, this guy, Ben Kaplan was crawling through the other side. And I remember like bumping in the middle. It was like the first time I saw him and I still remember it. This is like 20, like five years ago. And I like remember seeing it for the first time. Like, Oh my God. It was like one of those moments where like time stops. The universe just does that for you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. So mysterious and beautiful. I hope Ben Kaplan never listens to this. <laughs> oh, we're going to track him down. <laughs> we're going to tag him. <laughs> no. So let's go into liminal space. So tell me what liminal space is. Uh, well, the liminal space, we've done a few things with the liminal space. So we were coming, Christian and I, uh, my business partner and the co-owner of Everyday Magic, Christian Berry, and I are coming out with this deck called Postcards from the Liminal Space. And 
before that we did, before we switched locations, we had kind of like a gallery, like installation at our old location called the liminal space. And it featured like these seven goddesses that we made out of mannequins, like one for each chakra, but basically the liminal space, the concept of liminality is being like at a threshold or being in between. It's like, and I mean, in ritual, in a ritual um, aspect, it's like, you're not in your same position, but you haven't been initiated into the next one. And like physical space, it's like being in a stairwell or in an elevator. It's a place that takes you from one place to another, but not, not necessarily one that you spend like a ton of time in. And around the same time for me and Christian, kind of like starting this time last year, like our lives uh, kind of just rapidly unfolded and I don't want to say unfolded. I don't want to say fell apart. So I'm going to say unfolded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use a euphemism, but I mean, no, I mean, we just got like our shit rocked. Like EM was experiencing like a lot of like growth and success. And I think that, um, we both wanted that. We both nurtured that, but it, I mean, it just unearthed, like it was a, it was a graduate program in life. And I think that, I mean, postcards for the liminal space for me are like the, the messages that while you're so entrenched in those in-between spaces, you don't know like what the fuck is going on and like what you're doing. And if you're going to survive, it's like, what are the things, like, what are phrases, what are words, what are symbols that kind of like helped me come back down to earth? Because like the, the, Postcards from the liminal space is like accounting for the crash of like going up too high energetically. Um, it's like, it's like, how do you come down and stay safe? So, I mean, the truth of the liminal space is that we're in them all the time. Like we, we spend a lot of time like waiting for things. We spend a lot of, we put a lot of, um, value and merit on the process of becoming. Um, and yet we crave definitiveness and we crave stability. And so like, there's a, we have to reconcile our relationships. Like if you want growth, like the amount of growth you're get, you get is going to be pretty directly proportional to how much time you spend in the little space. And we need to build up a tolerance for that. We need a language for like being in there and like having it be comfortable versus just like rushing and waiting to be out of it. So we can be you know, in a more secure reality again. Yeah, that is such a wise concept. Wisdom is so hard earned is what I've learned. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like, I never wanted it. Like, I never wanted wisdom. Like, I would rather just none of this happen. But like, it's true. Like, wisdom is like when you make the best out of like the inevitability of <laughs> life's shit storms, right? Yeah, it's like the uh, it's like the reward money or the the prize from being in liminal space. Literally, yeah, that's what it feels like. It feels like I mean, yeah, I could have. I don't. I still think about the time like spent in that void place, and I feel some kind of like, well, that's over now, right? Like, okay, bye. Um, but also. <laughs> proud of like the art that came out of it like the creation that came out of that that space so it's it really just points to like we're such meaning making machines and like I couldn't I couldn't be in that space and have it not mean anything like I couldn't go through that for nothing so that's where like postcards came and like there needs to be some kind of message or meaning to the fact that I just had to fucking feel all of this and here it is gorgeous awesome <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I feel like I could just go down that rabbit hole with you for a really, really long time. 
I mean, it's kind of like the only one when you really like get down to it. So yeah, it all day. Yeah, I mean, if you look at our experience as sort of a a fractal of consciousness, the human experience, and the fact that we are meaning-making machines, like, what does that say about consciousness itself? I mean, I mean, consciousness is like a half like it's it's like mostly flawed it's like we half woke up to ourselves and we're these like we're partially gods and like partially zombies like human like consciousness is not like a perfect like mechanism you know so I think that the moment that you have a thought and feel like kind of sus about that thought like is like the moment that like we're no longer slaves to, like our impulses like I feel like there's there's so many different layers of consciousness and it's easy to just kind of live in the first one where like you believe all your thoughts and all your feelings and all your emotions and all your impulses and like you accept that as reality and then there's yeah usually by no willing choice of our own it's usually by getting like having life kick the shit out of us in some way but it's like okay I'm willing to look up I'm willing to look around I'm willing to question why my my reality gets framed this way and how it could be completely different to the person standing next to me yeah this is like a completely private experience which is Mm. why yeah yeah and we can't separate from it. No, it's like our shadow. We can't peel and we're not supposed to. It's like, but it's like to reconcile, like I think of consciousness and like the ego and the doer is kind of the God energy. And then like the higher self is like the goddess energy. And like, just like as above, so below, I mean, the external world is needing to submit. Like, like it's like the patriarchy isn't working anymore. And it's like, but it's slowly dying and putting up a fight and it's because it's like I mean masculine like it's just a different energy doesn't have the malleability of femininity but it's still time for it to yield to the feminine like somehow in some way and like I feel like we're seeing it in the world and I feel like I'm feeling it in myself it's like the ego used to be like the sun in my universe and the thing that kept things going and like I don't think that it's supposed to be in the center quite at that way like in that way you know yeah yeah I'm feeling like suspicious of myself. It's like it was so long. <laughs> <laughs> if we fast forward a thousand years in the future, and if you could have it any way you want, like if this reality that we're experiencing, this whatever reality we're experiencing at that point, what would you wish for humanity or for individuals, oh, society? I mean, part of me wishes I could just, like, kind of, like, push the destroy all button and, like, put it all out of our misery. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone want that? <laughs> oh, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, I mean, I think my first, my first wish for, like, the future of America is just, like, a cruelty, a cruelty-free, like, way of living in this world where we're not, like, subjugating, like, animals and weaker people for, like, every single thing that we have made and consume. Um, I think I would hope for, you know, technology would obviously, like, clean it up so intensely, but, like, a very, like, a simpler way of living, a more sustainable way of living, a way of living that takes into account the emotional and energetic and spiritual needs of people and like how they're supposed to live in addition to like, you know, all of the other ones. Cause I think about like 
we're tribal beings. Like we're like our best, our ideal, like getting up in the morning is like coming out to a fire and like being able to tell a bunch of people about our dreams. Like, Mm -hmm. but like completely isolated ourselves from the way that we're supposed to be living. And I think that, I mean, yeah, my theory is like most mental illness comes from that. Like mental illness and addiction are responses to intolerable conditions. They're broken, broken coping mechanisms to intolerable conditions, but it really is like between a rock and a hard place right now where it's like the world does suck and the imagination is powerful. And like, you can live in a different world in that way, like your whole life if you want to, but it's my hope that we just kind of make it easier for people to be like alive in this world in a way that doesn't hurt everyone and everything else. Yeah, totally possible. It should be, right? It feels like it should be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I feel like any anyone with a vested interest in the opposite will say it's unrealistic, but we need to, yeah, this is where the patriarchy needs to come down, like the greed, the greed of it all and the unsustainability of it all. Yeah, yeah. And where do you think that addiction to pessimism comes from? Or that that sort of willful, I'm not sure how to describe it, but that willful state where people kind of don't want to hear about that woo-woo subject that you keep bringing up or people want to shut it down or say, that's not real. You know, I'm a realist. I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. You hear that a lot. I mean, nihilism and cynicism are so safe. Like they're such security blankets but like they're full of razor blades that cut you through you know like I think like cynicism and nihilism are products of like a broken heart like I was reading this book about love because like my therapist is making me and it's like you know the people who say that love isn't real like or that love doesn't exist like would rather that than like the very sad possibility that love is real but it's like absent from their lives you know like I think that the idea of hoping for something is so coupled with the possibility of getting disappointed by it, like of wanting something and then not getting it, that there's been, there's definitely some like almost glamorization around like people like in denial of their own wants and needs, like it's being tough and it's being strong. And um, I mean, that's a very confusing and completely fucking damaging way to like to grow up. And most of us have it of being like, you know, be a cool girl. Like, don't be needy. Don't be clean. It's like, Oh my God. Like, this is like, this is where consciousness has gone wrong. It's like, we're so smart that we've done such a complicated, stupid thing. Like, because we're scared, like, and we can't go back to the fact that like, no, like everyone wants to be loved. Everyone wants to be nurtured. Everyone wants to be cared for. Like everyone wants a society in which like their needs can be met and all of that. But you want it and you want it and you want it and you don't get it. And you learn to want something else. It's like a false, uh, false pleasure being like being derived. And you can read this like in the most extreme accounts, like on accounts of like Holocaust survivors, like finding ways to like find normalcy and adjust and like derive pleasure from their experience somehow because the brain will make you, it is just wired to survive. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're not in quite, we're not in like intolerable conditions that are at that level of severity, but like we've, we've veered like from like the course of nature to the point where we're malfunctioning too and wondering like what the fuck is going wrong. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, there was such a, there was such a, like, um, it was so cool that we could override nature and we learned how to do it. We made the atomic bomb and like, we can like split cells and we can do all that. And it's 
we have to, we have to come back to balance in some way. Like we just swung to like the look what I can do to the point like where we've now like drilled too deep and like made like too much damage and we need to, yeah. You know, like, yeah, part of being adult is just like admitting that you like fucked up and like fixing it a little bit, (laughs) you know? Yeah. We're at that stage. We're at that stage. Yeah. Now or never kind of. Yeah. So I definitely want to talk about your newest project, The Way Home Tarot. Oh, yes. So that is the, so Postcards is the Oracle deck and then Way Home is the Tarot deck. And it kind of just so happened that they're coming out at the same time uh, because Autumn and I started Way Home like as a concept, like almost four years ago. So it's just been my like longest successful relationship, I think, with the idea of the way home. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like, yeah, definitely number one at this point. But Autumn is an incredible um, illustrator. Autumn, her name is Autumn Whitehurst and she's like highly Googleable and she just does like really amazing things with Photoshop. And I met her at the dog park when I was still living in Brooklyn and we ended up having a lot in common and ended up making this deck together. So it's actually in its like final stages right now of being finished. Like Autumn's like, um, like cropping it and like adding in the text and finalizing the box. And it's going to come out like probably in the next couple of months. (laughs) Lord almighty. That's amazing. It's amazing. So the concepts for the way home, when we, when we came up, like what we did was we sat down and just filled a notebook, like one page for each card of like, what are possibilities of what this could look like and what are different concepts for it? Because we really didn't want to build like off of a deck that already existed. Like we didn't want to take the ideas of it. We just wanted like, yeah, we wanted to come up with something as original as we could. And there wasn't much thought of like the jump from like card to card and like how to connect them all. And so it was really amazing the other day when like we printed out our first like series of color proofs to be like, this looks like one long walk in the woods. Like the whole thing looks like it's like a long winding day, like spent like wandering in like upstate New York or something. It's really amazing. Autumn is so good. I'm just so excited for the world to like finally be able to use this. This is so exciting. And the world will be able to enter, enter your space, enter your dream space in a way. Yeah. That feels so. Yeah. The, I didn't realize like how personal it would feel with these decks coming out. And like, I, I gave a reading using like the one like prototype, like printout that I have of the decks. And it's like, I almost can't talk when I, when I'm like pulling cards for people. Cause it's already known like in my mind, like when I see it, it's like, I already know so much what that feeling is. So yeah, like I'm, it'll be interesting to see how my relationship with the cards change as this comes out. But like, you are definitely walking through like the interior of my imagination and between postcards and way home. It's like, it's all of it. Like, this is what it looks like on the inside of my mind. Wow. I know. Wow. I just keep giving it all away. Like when people now are like, I love your book. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, I've like cheated on all my boy, every boyfriend I've ever had. I'm like, Lord, like just really let everyone know everything. <laughs> Yeah, that is just, I just want to celebrate you and the fact that you have this gift of clarity and vision that you've been able to put all these parts of yourself out into the world. You're in the process of doing that. It's really, really incredible. 
Thank you. I -hmm. wonder like how much of it is like my toxic connection to like needing to constantly be doing and constantly outputting and constantly proving, you know, like, um, but I do know that like, if it was, if it wasn't, if it was now or later that both of these are part of like the blueprint of my life's work. Like, I think that it's a little extra that at 29 it's like the store and the book and the two decks like I see I see where readers in the past were like you can slow down and enjoy your life and I'm like what do you fucking mean like what are you talking about like um and one of the readers said specifically she's like there's gonna be a part of your there's gonna be a period of your life where like you grieve the things you believe you needed to give up to like move as quickly as you did and to do as much as you did this quickly and I'm like nah I was like a few years And now it's here. I'm like, okay, I've done a lot. And now I think I need to like figure out like who I am, like a person. And I think I've given myself the tools to do it. Like, I think I made the tools for me to do it. But yeah, the constant, I think that people are often celebrated, obviously for like how much they're doing and how much they're giving and how much they're creating. But like, there's a, it's a, it's like a, it's balance, I guess, just like anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So I did have one last question and then we can kind of check in and see if there's anything else we want to cover. But my last question for you was if you were to take a moment and just kind of feel into the lineage of all of the healers, like all of the tarot readers, all of the seekers who've come before you, and then all of the people who will come after you. So whether that's your students or people who have been touched by you, other people that they've come into contact with, what is the thing that you would like to offer into the past and into the future? So one of my friends messaged me this morning and said that she had a dream about me last night and we were in, and like, this is my favorite. Like when people have dreams about me, cause I don't, cause I don't dream. So I feel like people are like holding and I've like really intentionally closed that door. Cause I have such horrifying, like scary dreams and I do dream, but like people who hold that space are really, I feel like they come back with info for me. And so we were on this boat in Japan and there was like the opening and it started raining like storming like really bad really scary and she said that everyone was kind of like holding on to the ledges and I was like walking into the waves like of the storm and I like turned around I'm like don't be afraid of the storm it's just water and like that is my hope like of what like that I can do that for people that like I can go through that storm and like be like holding on just a little bit before everyone else does so like I can let them know that it is just water because like I just went through it you know like I feel like that's kind of the responsibility of the healers they feel everything like just a little bit before and just a little bit more so when it kind of does like register with like the present there's there's enough resources to let other people know it's just water and like Water will fucking destroy your shit too. Like, you know, personally, emotionally, but it's, it's also, yeah. It's, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing that I want more than in those periods of being in a storm than someone who's like, I've been in this storm. Like, here's what I did. Like, here's how I made it. Like, here's how I, you know, saw myself through on to the other side. And I'm so grateful for the, 
healers that came before me, like for everything, for the books and the resources, for the fact that I don't need to be uh, worried that I'm going to be burned at the stake for the fact that I can like open a fucking bank account and own a business and like own my, own my property. Like they did that. They weathered, they weathered storms that like, I'll never even need to like have to fathom. Like we're on such, we've come so far and it's not that there's like not so, you know, far to keep going, but the luxury that we have to be able to heal on such a deep personal level, like as a collective in this way, like, I don't know if that's ever happened before. I don't know if there's ever been time for that or like language for that, you know, there's something special. There's something amazing happening and it's enough. Like I'm a cynic, I'm a cynic and I've been a nihilist and like, it's enough to cut through those things to be like, no, something incredible is happening right now. I don't know what it is, but it's happening. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you're making me, you're bringing something else up into my consciousness right now, which is this new relationship and especially women, but both men and women are building with resources and with money, this paradigm shift of seeing money and resources as like energy from the sun. Yes. Like it's not bad. It's not, you're not wrong for wanting money. It's okay to charge money for your healing services. Um, Yeah. I mean, everything, like, I think that there's such a deafening neutrality to everything that like, and being able to recognize the neutrality of it as a sign of maturity. Cause I feel like when we're maturing, we need to make decisions to figure out who we are, where it's like money is bad. So I am, you know, generous and creative and not motivated by that or money is good. So I am this and I'm going to pursue it and it's going to motivate me in this way. And I had a really amazing teacher with money, like pretty on, pretty early on for me because she was wealthy off of what she did. I mean, she was a workaholic, but she was making hella money. She had a driver, she had a chef, she had beautiful clothes, like, and she was doing like the goddess's work every day. And she was completely not an apology about it at all. She's like, this is what I need to live and to do my work. She was so generous, like with it, she didn't hold on to it too tightly and I think that growing up the opposite with a dad who was very constantly worried about money, constantly talking about like money anxiety to see someone just do the complete opposite was like, I'm like, I want to do that. Like, even if I don't have enough money, like, I just want to not, like, I just want to have her mindset on it. And like, I think I just decided that and have done it ever since. Um, but the, the shit with money is connected to the, to the, uh, like, concept of scarcity that everyone's in. So like moving, moving from like a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. And like, with that said, I don't, I don't have like financial like struggles at this moment. So like to talk about it, like it's easy, like to people like where, where it's very much not for people, but it's, I mean, the thing with money is like, if you have next to nothing, you need to give it away to get more. And like, if you want, like, if you want to make money, you need to already have money. And like, there's all of these kind of like weird demonic rules that that come with it like but it is just it is like it's a solar masculine energy like it gets twisted it's like it, it's either the the sun or the devil depending on the day and depending on how you use it yeah yeah well I'm really excited to experience to see your healing around it to experience my own healing around it and just to share this with the listeners because I feel like this is very very alive right now this healing with the relationship with sex, with money, with the shadow 
uh, it's all connected. Like waiting for permission, especially like as women. And there's always been kind of this like assumption that someone's going to like, we're going to do something and someone's going to give it to us because we deserve it. And like, I think that there's a, there's an ending of like believing that we need permission. And I think that that's going to shift something. But yeah, I mean, sex, sex and money and all of these um, really loaded like energies that have been completely inundated with like patriarchal language and taken away from us. Like a lot of people, like I feel like a lot of women are handed back sex and money and it's just like fucking stinks of the patriarchy. And it's like, how do I, like, how do I make this my own again? Like, how do I negotiate a relationship with this? that doesn't feel destructive or violent or, you know, so, but we have to like women, like women need to, women should be in charge of sex and money. Like, like it's yeah. our turn. We need to do some energetic sex and money laundering. Like, literally, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. And and so it will be. I mean, it's already it's already shifting. Like we are in the era of the girl boss, and every like straight man is shaking in their boots because they know. <laughs> yeah, and I believe we're going to lead the way for for men to be successful in a way that they never have fathomed before this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like if the, if the feminine has been like forced into like kind of a one-dimensional role, like you can't do that without forcing the masculine into a one-dimensional role too. And like, even like if you do like take the most power and like seem, it seems like you're winning, if it's unbalanced, like you're ultimately losing. Like, it's not about like having the most, it's not about being more powerful. It's not about having more. Like if you're not in symbiosis in your environment and your whole ecosystem is fucked up. And I think that, you know, Ideally, that kind of like wider angle view can be understood. Evolve or die, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love talking to you so much. I, I want to check in and just see if there's anything else you want to talk about or want to share with us today. Oh my God. Anything that's alive for you, moving for you. The full moon coming up tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Is that in Libra uh, or Scorpio? It's in, it's in like Libra as, as like as soon as the moon becomes full and then it moves like into Scorpio right after. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'm still learning about how all of that works. But yeah, the pink moon this time last year got me really sick. Like it was like a full moon in Scorpio last year. And like, I made a huge like altar and I was so excited. I'm like pink moon Scorpio is my shit. I'm Scorpio got knocked out with a flu and really feel like the universe kind of like overrided all my plans and took me on a ride this last year. That was like, do you want to avoid some like, you know, ancestral karma and like not absolutely like, I feel like I saved myself like three lifetimes or something. I was like the, 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 <laughs> loop-de-doop that I took this year so I believe that everyone has like a unique purpose or multiple purposes like on this planet and like it's good to have a plan but at the same time like the things that are supposed to happen to you are not going to miss you like even if you're not looking for them even if you're avoiding them like and I think that there's such a profound sense of dread that everyone feels of like whether they're standing in the right place in the universe and they're doing the right thing and they're making the right decisions like the margin of error is smaller than we than we think 
like the things that are meant to happen, like the universe just won't fuck it up. Like we, we, the fear is manufactured by us in the way that we have a tendency to hold on to things that don't want to stay. And so like our fear is like the, the future feels like unknown and like scary. Cause like we're clinging to things that might not be ours, but like the thing that you're meant for is also the thing that you're looking for. Like that's how humans are built. So like the thing that's trying to come your way is also the thing that's going to complete you. And like, to just have the grace to be honest about what that is and have the grace to let go of things that aren't that and let life move through you rather than like grabbing for every piece of it that you're able to experience. Cause it's just not supposed to be that way. It doesn't help anyone. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It's a thought that I've been having recently. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for having me on here, my love. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, I definitely want to know, well, it sounds like it's maybe going to be a month or two till Way Home gets released. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like maybe folks can purchase that on the shopeverydaymagic.com website, yeah. perhaps. So if you're following um, Everyday Magic on Instagram, it's everyday two underscores magic. And then my page is Bakara, uh W. Um, as soon as they go to, as soon as we like finalize the design and submit them, we'll have like a publication date, which is going to be in like the next couple days. So it's just like a kind of fuckery matter of like, we don't have it quite yet, but it will all be, all of the updates will be posted on there. And we'll, as soon as we have the publication date, we're going to have pre-orders available on everyday magic as well. Fantastic. All right. Well, I'm so excited to see that happening. I'm so excited too. Thank you for letting me talk about it. Yeah. And uh, also for our listeners, just want to remind you that you can buy Bakara's book uh, wherever fine books are sold. What the fuck is tarot? And it's also available on the Everyday Magic website, which is shopeverydaymagic.com. All right. Thank you again so much for listening. My name is Kimberly Baudet with Wild Orgasmic Wisdom. You can find me online at wildorgasmicwisdom.com, on Instagram at wildorgasmicwisdom, or on Facebook, wildowisdom. My personal Instagram is at Cerrone, S-I-R-O-N-A-E. Look forward to speaking to you again soon.